Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 20. You can see on the screen the scripture, and we will get there. And we are continuing our series today on questions in the Bible. You can see the question on the board. On the screen, will a man rob God? But I want to talk to you today about the joy of tithing, because that passage certainly deals with it. But I want to begin in Acts chapter 20, beginning in verse 32. Paul, in speaking to the Ephesian elders as he's departing from them, he says, And now I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my own needs and to the men who were with me. And everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So here's a text where Paul reminds the people, these Ephesian elders of the words of Jesus, words that we don't actually have recorded in the Gospels. So we don't know when Jesus actually spoke those words, just that he did speak them, and Paul quotes Jesus and says it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, if you look at the context of everything that Paul is writing and saying here, it's obvious that he's talking about a whole lifestyle when you read the context. But if you were a Christian, especially one in the first century who had been reared listening to the teachings of the Old Testament, when you heard that phrase, that it's more blessed to give than to receive, you're going to draw some specific conclusions about what giving meant to you. And so when I read that text, I start thinking about my own experiences with giving. I think back when I was a child, when dad and mom would give me some money to put in the collection plate at Sunday school. We grew up in a little Presbyterian church, Gilead Presbyterian church, down on the Lawrence Richland County line. And that's all we had was Sunday school. We didn't have preaching. And uh, usually dad or mom would give me a quarter to put in the, the Sunday school collection. And I remember that. But then as I got older and I began to earn money on my own from working, I remember setting money aside to give to the Lord. And then I remember when I was a youth minister just starting off in, in ministry at the Elm Street Christian Church in Olney, that Keith Sprout, the senior minister, Keith taught me so much about giving. Not just money, but giving in other ways as well. Keith was very much a people person. And then I remember when I first started setting a target goal in my giving, that I would give a minimum of 10% and then progress beyond that. I remember times after Bonnie and I were married that I would write out a check for our 10% of our income, knowing that had I not got paid on that following Sunday, on Monday, the check would bounce. 
But nevertheless, we gave that 10%. And so I wanted my goal to be biblical. I wanted it to be practical. I, I wanted it to allow me to experience the blessings of God as a giver. Because I do trust in the fact that when Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive, that he knew what he was talking about, that he was, he was really right. And so over the years in my Bible studies and in my discussions with people, I have found that tithing is a very helpful starting place for giving. Let me underscore that word, starting place. But I also recognize that people coming out of, out of the world or coming to Christ, that, that there's a lot of people that, that come to Christ that have obligations, they have debts, they haven't learned about tithing, they don't know about what, what the scriptures teach. And, and, and when you mention giving a tithe, giving a tenth of your income, they're thinking, how in the world would I ever be able to do that? I just don't know how I could ever get to a tithe. But I'll promise you this, and it's not my promise, this is God's promise, but if you honor God with your wealth, he will bless you. That's what the scriptures teach. If you honor God with your wealth, he will bless you. And you remember what we talked about last Sunday? From the sixth chapter of Matthew why worry? Why worry? If God takes care of the lilies of the field and clothes him with beauty, isn't he going to clothe you? Yeah. If he feeds the birds, won't he feed you? Yeah. If he brings the grass back to life in the springtime after it dies, won't he bring you back to life after you die? Yeah. So, and it concludes by saying, so seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. You can trust God that if you give him a tenth, if you learn to practice the tithe, he's going to take care of you. When you seek him first, his kingdom, his righteousness, he's going to make good on his word. I promise you that. That's his promise, not mine, but I guarantee you that he'll make good on it. And so, so God... Back in Leviticus chapter 5, you don't have to turn to that, but I want you to think about this. In Leviticus 5.11, the Bible refers to this process of tithing in the Old Covenant. And it says that if a person is too poor to give a tithe of their herd, in other words, one out of every 10, 10% 10 of their flock, or it even mentions there in that verse, turtle doves or pigeons, if they were too poor to give a tenth of that, the Lord said, then you give a tenth of your flour, what you would make bread with. You give 10% of that, of what you're, you're going to eat on. And so God's never been concerned about the amount of giving that we're able to do. He's been concerned about the heart. That's the issue. Even in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 12, the Bible says that the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. So please rest assured, God knows your situation. And if you will be honest with him, honest before him, if you will honor him with the wealth that you have, 
He will bless and he will provide your needs. Now, whenever I speak on giving, you know, let me assure you that my teaching on giving has exactly the same motivation as my teaching on any other subject in the Bible, whether it's being loving or forgiving or honest or whatever the case might be. My desire in the area of giving is that this is a spiritual way to grow. This is part of spiritual maturity. Because God doesn't care about the amount. God cares about our hearts. Listen to what God says back in Psalm 50, beginning in verse 10. Familiar verses of scripture, I think. For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird of the mountains, and everything that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all it contains. So who do you belong to? God. Everything that you have in your keeping, all of your possessions, belong to who? God. Everything in this world belongs to Him. And He decides how much He's going to place in your keeping for you to be a steward of, for you to be a manager of. And we're to be faithful in that stewardship. It's not that God needs it. But it is his. It belongs to him. And so our motivation this morning is simply to try to discover that if I am to give, and that's clear from the Bible, and if I am to be blessed, and that's clear from the Bible, how do I decide what I ought to give? And I want to share with you today a biblical background for using the tithe, 10% as a starting point. If you're not there, then you can set that as a target to grow towards it. If you are there, then you can set maybe a higher target and try to grow even further. And you might be sitting there thinking, all right, preacher, if you're going to do this, then practice what you preach. You better be tithing yourself. I can assure you, I wouldn't think of not tithing because I don't want to lose the blessings that God has given. God has blessed Bonnie and I's tithing. Let me just say we have far more tithing than we would have if we kept it all. That's the way it works. And I can guarantee you that. And we've grown beyond the 10%. And I don't say that to brag. I don't think that the amount we give is all that great. But we're trying to grow just like you are. And it's not for the sake of bigger budgets and bigger offerings, but for the sake of having bigger people, spiritually mature people. So with that in mind, let me give you about four reasons why I have found joy in tithing. And I'm not going to belabor these points, but these are things that make me feel good about using the tithe as a standard. My first reason for feeling really good about this is because tithing was a well-known practice to the first century Christians. Well-known practice. I'm very comfortable leaning on this as a starting point because of what the first century church had as the background information in their mind from giving. 
especially if you were a Jew that had accepted Christ in the first century. 26 times in the Old Testament, the word tithe or tithing is found. 26 times, very common. And 25 times, there is a reference to the tenth, because that's what a tithe was. It was a tenth. So around 50 times or more in the Old Testament, there is teaching for the children of God about this whole process of giving in which they are specifically reminded by God that the tenth part belonged to Him. One out of ten, ten percent. And so this tithe, I believe, is a proper way to, to see our giving pattern. Now our question today, will a man rob God, comes from Malachi chapter 3 and verse 8. Will a man rob God? And here's what that text says. It's actually kind of a negative text. But it clarifies the mind and the heart of God for his people when they hold back from honoring him with their wealth. Here's what it says. God is speaking. Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, so that there may be food in my house. And test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I'll not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Your Bible may say a blessing that there is not enough room for. So God says, test me. Test me in this. You bring the whole tithe to me. You honor me with your wealth. And just wait and see if I won't bless you. I'll pour out a blessing on you that you can't contain. I've never seen God fail to honor myself or any other person that I've talked to on this subject who was trying to put him first in their giving, I've never seen God fail to honor them and bless them. And so a first century Christian would have been well aware of the teaching in the Old Testament about the tithe. A first century Christian would also be well aware of, of that tithing concept even, even in, in the teachings of the New Testament time. Now, they didn't have a New Testament like we have because it hadn't been written yet, not until later. But we do have several references to Jesus in the New Testament discussing the tithe with the Pharisees. And I think that the first century Christians would have been familiar with that material. And so the first century church was not unaware of tithing as a specific and practical way to determine how much or how little you ought to think about starting to give. Now, if you go a little further than that, over to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, there's a passage where even though the tithe isn't mentioned specifically, I think the fact that the Old Testament is referenced gives me a great feeling of comfort knowing that it's not improper for me to reference the tithe as I try to understand my own personal giving habits and patterns. So in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6, the Bible says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously shall also reap generously. Now again, this is God's promise. And here's the proof of that. 
And Paul continues by saying, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Now, did you hear that? Each man should give what he has decided. I don't decide for you what you're to give. You decide. You decide. The church doesn't decide for you. You decide. You listen to God's teaching and you decide. Because God loves a cheerful giver. And then in verse 9 of that, well, verse 8 says, God's able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, God will see to that, you will abound in every good work. And then comes a reference to the Old Testament in verse 9. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. And so I think God wants us to understand there's this continuity between the Old and the New Covenants. So I feel very confident saying that the New Testament church, as it began, was very acquainted with tithing. Now secondly, I feel really good about tithing because I understand tithing was never limited to the law of Moses. You will hear some people say that, that, well, we don't have to tithe because we don't live under the law. Jesus put an end to the law. We live under grace now. So we don't have to tithe. That was an Old Testament uh, command from the law. No, it wasn't. It was commanded in the law, but tithing goes well before, before the law was ever given. When Lot had been captured in a battle by some kings that were battling against each other, and he was taken captive, Abraham gathered his men, his forces, and went and defeated those kings and brought Lot back. And in Genesis chapter 14 and verse 20, Melchizedek, king of Salem, came out to meet Abraham. And Genesis 14, 20 says that Abraham gave Melchizedek a tithe. Well before Mount Sinai and the Ten Commandments. And if you go to Genesis chapter 28, you read about Jacob. Jacob has been sent by Isaac and Rebekah to go to the land of Padanaram to find a wife. This is after he stole the blessing from Esau, and Esau wants to kill him, so Rebekah's trying to get him out of that dangerous situation. And on his trip there, he, uh, he prays to God. And, he, and at the very conclusion of his prayer, he's basically saying, God, if you will bring me back home safe and sound, I will give you a tenth of everything. I'll give you a tithe. Now, who told Abraham to give a tenth? He didn't read it in the law because the law was still well down the line. Who told Jacob to give a tenth? Do you not think that God had revealed that even before the law? And so I understand tithing was never limited to the law of Moses. And so we can't sit there and think, okay, we don't have to tithe because we're not under the law. Well, tithing was never limited to the law. And not only that, you can study secular history. 
You can find that many, many ancient cultures like Egypt and Babylon and Greece and Assyria, they all practice tithing in their religion. So tithing has more than just a specific, exact, literal, exclusionary focus to the Old Testament law of Moses. It's much broader than that. Maybe because it has such symbolic reasoning. And that's where I want to go next. Because a third reason why I believe we should consider the tithe as a starting point is because tithing symbolizes our gratitude to God. It symbolizes our gratitude to God. When we're comparing the Old and the New Testaments, we understand that the Old Testament is leading us to Christ, right? It's preparing us for Christ, preparing us for the New. And in the New Testament, we find a fuller, deeper, richer expression and exposure to the power and the truth to serve God. So I want you to think with me a moment. If you want to be grateful to God... Are you going to choose a lower standard of gratitude or choose a higher standard of gratitude? Let me give you an example of what I'm saying here. How did Jesus deal with some of the issues that we read about in the Old Testament? How did Jesus deal with some of those things? Did he lower the standard or did he raise the standard? For instance... In Exodus 20, verse 13, in the Ten Commandments, it says, Thou shalt not kill, meaning thou shalt not murder. You don't murder, okay? In the New Testament, Jesus said, If you hate your brother, you're a murderer. That ought to call in, into question our attitudes towards each other, that we keep them pure and holy and positive and uplifting. But did Jesus raise the standard or did he lower it? He raised it. Here's another one. Exodus 20, verse 14, another of the Ten Commandments, do not commit adultery. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, that any man that looks on a woman with lust in his heart has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Did Jesus raise the standard or did he lower the standard? He raised the standard. Leviticus 19.12 says, do not swear falsely by God's name. Jesus says, don't swear at all. You be the kind of person where your yes means yes, your no means no, and you don't have to add some appendage that says, now I'm really telling the truth this time. Did Jesus raise the standard or did he lower it? He raised it. How about this one? Leviticus 27, verse 32, concludes by saying, The entire tithe will be holy to the Lord. The New Testament simply says, Give as you are prospered. Is it a higher standard or a lower standard? It's a higher standard. So if in your heart your desire is to give, not because of what the church needs, not because God needs it. We already know that he doesn't need it. It all belongs to him anyway. But if your desire is to give because you want to be grateful to God, then you tell me, in light of these other passages, is it proper for a Christian to start anywhere less than the tithe? Are we going to lower the standard? And I don't believe that we should.
Tithing symbolizes our gratitude to God. And here's the fourth thing, and that is that tithing is a great way to grow in our devotion to God. Tithing will stretch you. I'll tell you that right now. Especially when you first, first try to get to it. It'll stretch you. But it does give you a systematic way to give. And it helps you to not get caught short because you've already planned to give. You're already setting aside, as Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 16 too, on the first day of the week, let each one of you set aside, lay by in store your offering so that no collections would have to be made when he arrived there. And so you're already planning for it. You are disciplining yourself to do that. And when you do, then you're able to help with God's work. And in doing so, you show your gratitude to him. And tithing... Tithing helps, helps to get a lot of stuff done. A church can get a lot more done when they, are, when they are stable financially and in this area, when they have people that give generously. And, and let me just say, we've been blessed here at New Hope. And we, it was something that was mentioned yesterday, in fact, the blessing that it's been that this church is financially stable. All right, we can keep our bills paid. From time to time, things get a little short, but God always provides. He always provides. You've been generous in our building project, and we've probably been negligent in keeping you up to date on that. We financed $300,000 in 2020 with uh, the Christian Restoration Association as we built our building. They gave us 15 years to pay that off, which they usually gave only 10. They gave us 15 because they had never given an organization $300,000 before. We were the first ones. So in seven and a half years, half of that time, we should have half of it paid back, right? Folks, we're already below 180000 That's right. We're getting down close to the halfway point, and we took the loan out in 2020, just three years in. And we're, we're, we're getting down towards that halfway point. That's great. We've got generous people, and that is such a blessing here. And tithing, tithing is just a way to get a lot more good done. But it's the discipline and the devotion that's the key. And I have found that tithing is a great way to get started. I, I just believe it ought to be the minimum that we aim at giving. And for those that want to grow in that discipline, they'll learn to give even beyond the tithe. I know I've talked to some people personally who feel the tithe is the least that God expects and that their offerings are over and above the tithe. I know people that, that, that practice that. But tithing is a great way to get started, either choosing to tithe or growing towards the tithe, so that every year you just get a little better and a little bit closer to it until you finally get there and maybe then even go beyond. But listen, you have to decide this is something that you want to do because you decide what you're going to give. No one decides that for you. I think there are too many people in our world today that adjust their standard of giving to their standard of living when we ought to adjust our standard of living to our standard of giving. God should come first. 
Again, that Matthew 6.33 says, If we seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness first, then He'll add all these things. He'll take care of our needs. And I believe that that's the will of the Father. I'm done preaching. This is your favorite subject, right? I have told you before that any time a preacher preaches anything about money or giving, someone will usually think that's all he ever preaches about. This is the first sermon in 2023 that I've preached on this subject. In fact, some of our elders suggested that I do it, so blame them. No, just kidding, just kidding. (laughs) But you've also heard me say before that Jesus taught more on the subject of wealth and possessions than any other subject. That was the majority of his teaching. Why do you think that was so? Because if there's anything that's going to compete For first place in our lives, if there's anything we're going to be tempted to place as a God in our life over our Heavenly Father, it's wealth, it's possessions, it's money. And Jesus said, if you can't serve two masters, you'll love the one and hate the other. You cannot serve God and wealth, possessions, money. You can't do it. And Jesus also knew That where your treasure is, what? There your heart will be. So where's your treasure at today? I don't know what decisions you might want to make based on the message today. If you have a public decision to make, you can meet me down in front. Private decisions, or if you need someone to come around you for prayer, please let us know that. But this is decision time. So trust God, obey Him, take the next step. Let's stand and sing.